It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even restarting. I am not even restarting. This is how authentic and genuine we are on this show. I don't know that that's ever happened to me before. But you know what? It's like I tell my daughters. It's like I tell anybody else in life. You just roll with it. Okay? Nobody's perfect. Sometimes you mess up. I've only done about a zillion. What is this? Fantasy Feast podcast number 426. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Ross? Evidently, I'm not kidding you. It's not. It's the Fantasy Feast podcast. It's presented by FantasyPoints.com. Use the code FEAST to make sure you get the discount. And by the way, that's how you get into the season-long draft against me and Joe Dolan, although you can't really get in anymore because I'm about to announce the last two winners. I am Ross Tucker, by the way, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of podcasts. Tomorrow, we'll have Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, always a treat, as is, by the way, today's guest, who's got some similarities to Greg Cosell, although he's more on the math, numbers, analytics side. Love, K.C. Joyner. Been following his work for a long time. You go back to the Four Letter Network and other places. You got to follow him on Twitter, at K.C. Joyner. TFS. Casey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate being here. All right. So Casey Joyner, TFS, that's the football scientist, right? Like that's what the TFS stands for? That is the football scientist. That is. All right. I like all the books. You you have many leather-bound books behind you. Yes, many. Uh, a lot of football books. I'm an encyclopedia collector when it comes to football books. I must have probably 45 in my collection. Wow. That is awesome. So uh, before we even die, I know guys are dying to know who the last two contestants are for the season-long league. So I'll get into that in a second. But for people that aren't as familiar with your work as I am, can you give them the background and what you're doing now? Background is back in 2003, I decided I wanted to write a Bill James-style football book. And I quit my job, cashed out my 401k, and wrote a book. And about 18 months later, I sent a bunch of copies of it out and Doc. Z from Sports Illustrated. Uh, I, you know, I happened to find his address. He liked the book. He wrote an article about it for SI.com, and that led to, I mean, NFL teams were buying the book. I got a job at ESPN. So all of that happened there. And I've been, I've, you know, half the teams have purchased my book since then. I've purchased my book series since then. I've worked for player agents, and I wrote for ESPN for 14 years covering the NFL, fantasy football, college football, the draft, and anything else they asked me to write about. Finally going off on my own now uh, after leaving the four-letter network and I started my own website called thefootballscientist.com. I've actually been doing that as a side gig since 2004, so I do fantasy football material. I've got my 17th edition of my draft guide this year, and then I also added the stuff I used to write for that network. Now I'm writing that sort of material for my site as part of my paid subscription service. Very, very cool, Casey. Well, congrats as someone that left the four-letter network to go out on my own. I know it's a little bit uh, intimidating for sure, but ultimately for me, it was rewarding, and it's kind of nice to work for yourself and to try to grow something. It's not easy. Brian and I uh, scrap and claw all the way with things like 
giving away entries to play in a season-long fantasy league against me and Joe Dolan. As long as you take advantage of our sponsors and or get a subscription to FantasyPoints.com. That's Joe's fantasy site. FantasyPoints.com. Use the code BEAST. The final two entries, by the way, Hugo in Quebec City, mainly just because I wanted to have somebody from Quebec City. Uh, I think I think people say Quebec City. I think I think you're supposed to when you're up there. It's Quebec. I don't know. Anyway, Quebec City, uh, and then Eric Feldhake, who just went crazy. Fantasy points. Signed up for Harry's. Rated all the shows, etc. So those are the last two entries. Everybody else, uh, maybe next year, or maybe we'll do something DFS during the season. Maybe I need to talk to DraftKings about that. Um, so let's get into it, Casey, because you've got you and I were texting back and forth. You got some really interesting nuggets for this year and opinions with where you're seeing guys getting drafted right now that are extremely relevant right now. One of which is you believe that a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still undervalued and going too low in fantasy drafts. I do. If you look at the factors that go into Tampa Bay this year, you've got, obviously you've got the talent, you've got Brady, you've got Evans, you've got Godwin, you've got Gronk, you've got Howard, you've got Bray, you've got uh, Ronald Jones. I mean, you've got a ton of talent on that team. And they also have a very highly favorable schedule from what I call a matchup points perspective. So you're looking at, you know, how people do, how well people do in getting coverage or how good they are run blocking. They've got favorable schedules in both those areas. But one of the most important things to me is something I call fireworks points. Fireworks points is, is something that measures how likely it is that a team is going to get into high scoring games. Because high scoring games, those are being where teams, each team scores 24 more points. Those games account for a big disproportionate percentage of fantasy points scored. You want to get players in those games, obviously. They have some of the highest fireworks points totals in the league, too. You add that to a Bruce Arians offense. And by the way, note on Tom Brady related to this and the Bruce Arians offense, people think he's a vertical passer or if the Rick calls you know, a lot of aggressive vertical passing. The Bucks were second in the league can pass at or inside the 10-yard line last year, too. So when they get in close, they're going to let Brady throw the football a lot. You start adding all those factors together, and I think this is going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the league, and yet I keep looking at these players' grades, and they're all being drafted usually like a round or two later than I think they should based on what their upside value is. I like it. That's one good nugget. But now we're going to get into some individuals, and some of these are nice. You know, first of all, Casey, we're all over – YouTube now, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And our intern, intern Casey, does an unbelievable job with our social media clips. And I'm just telling you, when we were texting and you said Patrick Mahomes is overrated, I was like, that'll be a good one. Oh, uh, that'll be a good one on the social media clip. So you tell me, Casey, why Patrick Mahomes is overrated. He's overrated in a fantasy sense. I think he's the best player in the NFL from that perspective. If you talk from a fantasy sense, yeah, I do think he's overrated and definitely can explain why. Mentioning that fireworks points idea, NFL teams, there have been 24 NFL teams, 24 teams in NFL history that have scored over 500 points. If you put those teams into fireworks contest, again, where each team is scoring 24 more points, you would think those teams would fare well. As a total, they won 59.8% of their games. If you take a couple of teams in there that did exceptionally well, outlier teams in there, the rest of the teams won 55% of their games. It's basically a toss-up proposition for these high-scoring offenses when they get into – or even those these powerful offenses, even when they get into high-scoring games, it's 50-50 prop for them. 
Andy Reid learned that lesson in 2018 because Kansas City had a terrible record in those fireworks games. So in 2019, he said, I'm going to bring in Spagnolo. I'm going to shore up the defense. And in the first half of the year, he kept throwing the ball as often as he had. But as the second half of the season came along and Spagnolo's defense started to gel, Andy started to run the ball more frequently. He would still throw it. And obviously during the playoffs, when he got behind, he said, hey, we're going to cut it loose and we're going to play that style of offense. But he gets now to where he passes to get the lead, and then he starts to run to win. And I think what we saw in the second half of the season where they ran the ball a heck of a lot more than they had earlier in the year, and they weren't on pace to throw 600 passes. It's going to be more like five to 550 passes if you prorate it over the course of a season. I think that's what they're going to do this year. And if Mahomes is only throwing 500 to 550 times, and their schedule, by the way, is fairly difficult too, both from a, a fireworks point perspective and from a matchup points perspective, I start to add all those factors together, and I just can't get a path to get this guy to be the number one quarterback. In fact, I rate quarterbacks in fantasy on an overall upside and downside basis. He's two overall, three upside, two downside. I think he's a great fantasy quarterback. I would not take him as number one. I don't think – I think he has maybe a two in ten chance of finishing as the number one fantasy quarterback in the league, and everybody's drafting him as if he is that. Wow. I love it, Casey. I love it. All right, let's keep him going. These are good. Cam Newton. Still undervalued in your mind. He is undervalued. I don't understand it because rushing quarterbacks, it doesn't take a lot for rushing quarterbacks to be successful. They have to combine rushing success with pass success. But if you have a lot of rushing success, you don't need quite as much passing success. He's blowing away camp. Uh, Belichick, you know, I, I think there was an idea that Cam Newton's not going to fit into the Belichick system, that he's going to push back and he's not, he's going to be a meet first guy. Nope. All the reports coming out say, yeah, he's fitting right in. Uh, Stidham is not playing very well, so he's going to play well in that offense. Belichick is going to call for running plays, maybe not as many running plays as what he saw down in Carolina, but Newton's going to run the football. You know he's going to run the football maybe near the goal line. He's got a good set of receivers around him. You've got a very creative play calling scheme. I keep looking at this going, he's somebody who, if he gets, if he could rush for 400 yards and four or five, maybe six touchdowns, not a ton. I mean, it's a good number for quarterbacks. We're talking for Cam Newton. That's now a, a huge volume. If he were to do that and just put up what kind of passing numbers you would expect any decent quarterback to put up in the New England offense, you're talking borderline QB1, and it wouldn't take much of an upgrade there, either in the passing game or getting a little more rushing production, maybe a couple extra touchdowns, to suddenly vault him into eighth or ninth or tenth in quarterback points, and yet he's sitting here being drafted as a mid-tier QB2. I'm looking at it going, people, I understand that you know he might not fit into the Belichick scheme, you think so, but if you're looking at the pass to get to that point, He's got a lot of pass there. In fact, I've got him in an upside grade in my draft guide as the number nine quarterback. And at QB two, at the QB two tier, you don't have many quarterbacks that can get to that level. So really like we can get on it this year. So what surprised me though, based on everything you're saying about Cam Newton, is how down you evidently are on Josh Allen. I am because Allen had. Here's the thing on Allen. So we've got the rushing production. I mentioned that you got to have the passing production too. But if I'm looking at Allen's rushing production, I'm going, okay, well, there's that's such an up or down metric. I really like a lot of consistency in my quarterbacks. I don't want somebody who's going to give me 23 points one week and then eight the next because, yeah, the 23 might help me get a win, but the eight might help me get a loss. So I really want consistency. He has trouble in that consistency area. But the big problem I had there is that people think that their passing office is going to get so much better because Josh Allen finished next to last for Sports Info Solutions, in vertical yards per attempt. Just one of the worst vertical passers in the league, and that's where you're throwing the ball 11 or more yards downfield. He's very terrible, and so they bring in Diggs, and everybody says, well, Diggs is going to be the solution. And you look at Diggs's 
vertical numbers last year, how well he did on vertical passes. He had tremendous numbers, top 10 in targets, receptions, I think yards per attempt. There's a number of categories where Diggs was a very good vertical receiver. But if you start looking at him over the course of his career and you look at 2019 compared to the rest of his career, 2019 is an outlier. And Diggs was motivated as heck to get out of Minnesota. He wanted to put up the numbers so that they could move him. And he did. Now, he doesn't have that motivation. And I think we're going to go see the usual Josh Diggs or uh, Stefan Diggs. And if we see the usual Stefan Diggs and he puts up the numbers that he did before, he's not going to upgrade the passing game. And in fact, all it would take is one Diggs injury and the Bills offense is back to where it was last year. And I just, when I'm looking at those numbers together, I'm saying I think Allen will do some things in the ground game, and I think he's going to be productive there. But I don't think the passing production is going to be enough to say I can rely on him consistently as my QB1. That's why I've got him in the QB2 tier, because I just don't trust the consistency. Before we get into a bunch of guys you like uh, that are still undervalued, because I, I, I like that. I like trying to get those guys in my drafts, which is awesome. I should mention that some of these guys look like they'd be awesome for DFS as well. And the place I play DFS, DraftKings, there are 100 million reasons why you should listen up right now. The leader in one-day fantasy sports, yes, DraftKings, is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. Here's what's amazing. Just download the app and sign up using promo code ROSS. Then enter DraftKings free, do you hear me, free football survivor pool. Yeah, it's really free. And yeah, you really can win a $1 million cash prize. Unbelievable. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code ROSS to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. It's promo code ROSS to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. And I'm not talking about the Sportsbook app. I'm talking about the normal DraftKings app. Eligibility restrictions apply, but I think almost every state's legal. If they're not, they should be. See DraftKings.com for details. See Casey Joyner at Casey Joyner TFS. For more details on undervalued, I'm going to call this undervalued row. Okay, Casey? And we'll go okay. with Teddy B, Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater, when he came out of uh, in the draft, he passed six out of seven of what are called the Parcells rules. Parcells rules are the rules that Bill Parcells came up with when he was in the NFL deciding who he should draft a quarterback. And I had somebody who had – and the, the only rule that Bridgewater didn't pass out of those seven rules was that he wasn't a senior. And I had an, an ability to get in touch with Parcell, so I asked him, well, Bridgewater graduated, so wouldn't that count as the seventh rule? And he said, yeah, if he gra- since he graduated, I would give him the idea of having been a senior. So Bridgewater passes all seven of the Parcells rules. When you look at the history of people who pass all seven of those rules, they have – the the percentage of uh, players who reach elite levels in the NFL is pretty significant. It's like a tremendous number of of quarterbacks who may, who pass all seven. So he has the injury. He has some, you know, he doesn't reach that level yet, but when you get down to Carolina, Carolina right now is stocking up on wide receivers. When you look at the roster composition right now, they're stocking up on wide receivers. So I'm seeing a path of 600 passes. That's huge. He does a great job protecting the ball. He's, He's done well in the metric I have called bad decision rate that measures how often the quarterback 
makes mental errors that leads to turnovers. So I think the, the turnover is going to be down. They upgraded the receiving core as well. So I really like that part of it. He will run the ball some, I think. He'll give you – he's not going to be Brady. He's not going to sit back there and give you zero. I think he can get 150, 200 yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns, maybe three or four if things go well. So I start to look at all that and say, well, he's in a pass-heavy offense. He's got good receivers. He had the parcels rules that show you so he has elite talent. I keep adding these up. I'm going, okay, this is a guy I like as a QB2. I don't know if he's going to be a QB1, but in a two-QB league, I absolutely want him. And I think he's going to have some very good games. He's in a, a division where you're going to get a lot of high-scoring contests. You get against Tampa. You get against Atlanta. I mean, these are games you're probably going to get high-scoring contests. I start adding these together. I'm like, I'm going to bet that I wouldn't mind having Bridgewater in my lineup in half the games this season. And if that's the case – he should be a valuable QB2, and yet again, people are thinking of him as, as maybe a, a low-end QB2 in a lot of drafts. He's not even being taken, so a great pickup in the waiver wires in a lot of drafts, too. Now you got a couple running backs that are undervalued. Uh, the next one's interesting because people are really high on him, and it seems like they're valuing him really high. So I'm curious how you're going to tell me that Miles Sanders from the Eagles is still undervalued. He's undervalued. I think he's got good value in PPR leagues, but the ADPs I'm seeing in standard leagues, he's on the borderline of RB1 and RB2. And, okay, he's probably going to be the lead back. I don't know if he'll quite be a bell cow, but I can easily see the path to 300 touches. So, okay, he's he's got that down. He did very well in the last quarter of the year, last year, in a metric I have called good blocking yards per attempt. It's a metric I've been tracking for over a decade now. Good blocking yards per attempt measures how productive a ball carrier is when you give him quality run blocking. If you can get into the nine-yard or higher category here, or nine-yard or higher range here, you're in the elite range here. He was at 9.1 in the second or the last four games of the year. So he's at that level. League average is usually about 7.9. So, But if you're in that 9 to 10 range, if you can get in that area, you're going to be at elite production when they give you quality run blocking. The Eagles have a very good offensive line. I know they got to make some changes there. Peters came back to so take you know, take the place of Brooks. So they've got only a couple of people they need to replace, and I still think they're going to have strong run blocking. The schedule is quite favorable too. So I see Sanders in all environments because he's a breakaway back and a lead back who could be a bell cow. He's on that border. When you start adding those factors together with what I think is going to be good run blocking and a, a quality schedule, and I mentioned fireworks points. The NFC East has, as a division, the highest fireworks points total in the league, so I think there are going to be a lot of high-scoring games in that division. Add those factors together, I think he ought to be a, probably a mid-tier QB1 or RB1 in every environment. And again, in standard, he's being taken closer to an RB1, RB2. He's at a 12, 13 level. And in PPR leagues, he's only being drafted ninth, and I think he's got upside higher than that. So I do think he's maybe not terribly undervalued, but yeah, I think he's undervalued in a lot of leagues. All right, so then you've got another running back in the state of Pennsylvania, but the other side of the state, and that's James Conner. A lot of people really down on Conner, primarily because he just can't stay healthy. But you still like him? I still like him a lot for a number of reasons. One of the things you see with Pittsburgh over the years is every every few seasons, Pittsburgh will say, we're going to go pass happy. For whatever reason, they get away from being who the Steelers are. It's happened a few times, happened under Tom a couple of times now, and that happened in 2018. They got really pass happy. And then 2019, obviously, they couldn't get pass happy because Roethlisberger gets hurt. But I thought last year they are going to get back to a more run-heavy approach. I think this year they're going to continue to get to a more run-heavy approach, especially with the reports now that Roethlisberger's arm may not look quite as good of late. It looks like he's getting a little banged up, like he's not throwing as well in deep passes per report from the Athletic. So they're not going to be a pass-happy team. They're going to be more run-heavy team. 
Pittsburgh has the most favorable matchup point schedule in the ground game among any team in the league. So they've got an incredibly favorable schedule. Connor's in a contract year. And Tomlin has said repeatedly, I want to have a bell cow back. He showed it with uh, Le'Veon Bell. He wants to have a guy who's going to be the guy. They've got some talent in the backfield. They've got Snell. They've got McFarlane. They've got some talent behind him. But I think they're, they want him to play well. And being in a contract year, I think Connor's a guy who will be motivated by that. So I think he's going to get lead back bell cow production. I think he's going to be on the border between being a bell cow back and what I call a lead back. Right, which is where you don't get quite all the carries, but you get most of them. So he's going to be at that level. He's going to get that kind of production. And I think he's going to catch plenty of passes too. So I've got him, even with those factors, I could see a path for him to be uh, a low tier to mid tier RB1, but I've got him ranked right on the board of RB1, RB2. But I'm looking at ADP levels. He's getting drafted as an RB2 slash RB3. He's like 22, 23. So depending on if you're a 10 or 12 team league, he might be lasting into the third round. That's just ridiculous for what kind of upside he can offer. And I love it from that sense in that because he's that type of a bat, because where he's at there, you can draft him to his floor. I love the idea of drafting a guy and saying, if I draft him as a two, he might give me one production, but I know he's going to probably give me two production. If you can get people at that level where you're drafting to their floor and that's where they're going to be and everything above, what you know, everything from there is going to be upside play. I love those kinds of players. So he'd be a favorite guy. If I could get him as my RB2, I would be thrilled. Calvin Ridley is, I just don't understand why, again, he's another one of those high floor, high ceiling players where you look at his production on a yards per attempt basis, a vertical yards per attempt basis, and what I call stretch vertical yards per attempt basis, stretch vertical being when you're throwing the ball 20 or more yards downfield, you start looking at Calvin Ridley's production in that area, in those areas, and he's highly consistent and He's one of those guys to where, again, if things go well for him, would anybody be surprised if he was a low-tier wide receiver one? In fact, if, if things went really well, if he might be wide receiver 10, wide receiver 9, I don't think anybody would be surprised. And you start to see his draft levels and his ADP levels are lower than that, significantly lower than that. So, again, I like the idea of taking a player and saying, if I draft you at this level, that's going to be where, you're, you know, that's going to be your floor, where if things go badly for you, if things go, if you have just an average year, let's say, that's where you're going to be. And Ridley in that offense, again, I expect the NFC South, they were second in that fireworks points category for divisions. They were second in that category as far as you know, fireworks. So they're going to be a lot of high-scoring games. I think when you get him in contest against the Panthers and you get him in contest against the Bucks, you're going to see a lot of those high-scoring contests. You're going to see them throwing the ball a lot. And I think he's going to be a wide receiver, too, who can give you wide receiver one production. So it's something I cover on uh, – my side is that that's a, a draft strategy that people should use is always draft to the floor. And I think Ridley's a perfect example of that. So uh, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is actually a position group and it's tight ends. And I thought it, it's perfect timing because on yesterday's fantasy feast podcast, the final tiers of Dolan position group was tight ends. So we went over Joe's tight end tiers and it sounds to me like, just in general, you think tight ends are undervalued? This year, I think tight ends, it's an interesting thing because I've got uh, – I do color-coded grading for my players, my draft guide. And blue is elite, green is a strong starter, yellow is an average starter, or a good, good starter, solid starter. And then if you get to orange or red, you're starting to get the players you don't want in your roster except for in really deep environments. I have four blue-rated tight ends. That would be Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, and Ertz. I have two green-rated tight ends in Gronk and Waller. That's it. Once you're from there and their overall grades, everybody else is a yellow rated grade or lower. They do have green rated upside grades. I mentioned that, you know, that was a category that 
players you could have is that if things go well, you could be there. So there's a lot of depth from that perspective. And you can say, okay, well, I'm going to draft a couple of people who aren't one of those top six. If I don't get one of those six I mentioned, I can draft those guys and hope that they could give me TE1 upside. But I'm not going to expect that they're going to give me TE1 upside. But if you want, I don't want to say guarantee production, but if you want to play the percentage just to say, I want a guy who I know is going to be starter caliber player, you better get one of those top six tight ends because after that, I don't want to say it's a crapshoot, but it's very – you're taking much higher risk in those players. And I think that if you don't get those players, there's some value players that you could take that include Noah Fant, Hunter Henry, who has the best matchup points total among tight ends. And I love Ian Thomas. He's a Carolina tight end, and I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot in that offense, as we talked about earlier. Thomas has a favorable schedule. And Thomas, if you look at the games where he started nine games of the past couple of seasons, and in his top three games – his numbers in those games were tremendous. He was putting up, I believe it was it, it was 12 fantasy points per game in standard leagues. I mean, the guy put up some fantastic numbers. I don't expect that to happen on a consistent basis. I don't think you're going to get that out of him every week. But if that offense is as pass-happy as it looks like it's going to be, and he is the starting tight end in that offense and everything points in that direction, if those factors do it together, he could be at 75 to 100 targets. And if he gets at that level, that would automatically almost put him in the TE1 range, even if he doesn't reach those production levels that he reached in those three games. Here's what you need to do. You need to get more information from this guy is what you need to do. You need to check him out on Twitter at Casey Joiner TFS. Give him the website again, Casey. The website is thefootballscientist.com. I've got my Patriot subscription service that includes my 2020 draft guide, 400 pages of information, 150 player write-ups. You've got all the matchup charts. You've got the uh, cheat sheets for every position. And if listeners uh, and viewers want to use the discount code Ross, they'll get 10% off any discount or any uh, Patriot subscription. Love it. Love it, Casey. Great stuff. Awesome, awesome interview. I've got a bunch of clips now for intern Casey. I don't know Casey, not you, Casey, uh, Penn State student, C-A-S-E-Y. That'll be all over our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, and all over social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. If you like what you heard from Casey, you'll love Greg Cosell tomorrow, kind of of the same mold, of the same ilk. Guys that just have the sickness and the disease. They love football. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate it, Ross. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Feast podcast. That was awesome. I love that we do two a week these days. Season's going to be here before you know it. Get excited, everybody. It is happening. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.